White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 682. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. Bye-bye, Bo! From the Palatial White Rocket Studios, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast, John. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I am Van Allen Plexico, and I am your host, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. We had a lot of stuff going on. It's been a very exciting sports weekend, which is not something you usually think of for early bowl week. You're you're usually trying to manufacture drama out of Southern Miss playing Louisiana Monroe or something, but uh, eh, it's been a good good sports week. That UTSA Troy game was. Woo! 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 Hey, I tell you what, though, I did see the uh, the highlights of UAB and uh, who did UAB? Uh, they played somebody, and it was like they there was like four scores in the last two minutes of the game. It just went back and forth and back and forth. That's pretty cool when you're when you're a little tiny bowl game that's on like December, you know, sixteenth at eleven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> When that turns out to be good, that's a good omen for bowl season, I think. It is. So we've got just a couple of uh, topics to get into. We're going to talk a little bit about recruiting and coaching hiring, which seems to be, it currently seems to be like the immortal, eternal topic for Auburn fans because we just keep, we're still trying to work out exactly what our coaching staff is going to look like, and we're still not entirely sure, which is so crazy. And we'll talk a little bit about who's coming and who's going off the team. We also got a little bit of basketball to touch on, a couple of other things. So, uh, um, I eh, oh 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 yeah, we'll get to the and of course when we get to our uh, patron activities, we can talk a little bit quickly about how the World Cup bracket ended for our pool and who won. And it was a pretty decisive victory by one of our patrons, which was awesome. Congratulations! So we'll get to that in just a few minutes. But what's up first in the agenda tonight, John? Uh, before we get into the players, let's continue to talk about the coaches. Um, last week, we talked about the two coordinators that have come on board, and I wanted to start there and say, since then, have you thought about them anymore? Have you learned anymore? Has your impression changed of Ron Roberts and Monty? Monty? <laughs> I should have gotten a sound clip from, from Patton. That, of, that's coming. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I officially dubbed him Field Marshal Montgomery, and I'm excited. I all right. Let me start with uh, with Roberts, the defensive coordinator. So there seems to be two schools of thought on him. If you are trying to be glass half empty, then you are saying this is a guy that got fired by Baylor, didn't do well last season, blah blah blah, not very exciting, you know about as exciting of a defensive coordinator as if we'd hired Jeff Grimes as our head coach, you know, just kind of like, eh, okay, whatever, you know. But, of course, that's what people said about Kevin Steele also. I will just quickly remind them. The other school of thought seems to be, man, this is the guy that taught Dave Aranda everything he knows, 
and invented a lot of the defensive concepts that are in vogue today. He's a really good teacher, and yet he's not that old. I mean, he's about our age, roughly, uh, which ain't that old. I'm sorry. And um, easy there. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, you know, those are kind of the two schools of thought. Uh, I want to be glass half full, but of course the jury will be out until at least next season. Now, as far and we can we can we can discuss this, but let me throw out as you asked for my kind of initial impressions. I see absolutely nothing wrong with Field Marshal. He looks like he's going to bring in an exciting variety of football that'll maybe combine some of Freeze's concepts that have been proven over the years with some of those Baylor RG3 Bryles concepts that are so exciting out in the Big 12. Man, I haven't been this excited about an Auburn offense since 2009 when Gus came in as our offensive coordinator, and I'm like, oh, let's see what he's going to – the mad scientist here, let's see what he's going to do. I feel like it's 2009 all over again, John. Yes. No, on that side, I I mean – I. I think Montgomery is absolutely a really good offensive coach. I think this I, the biggest challenge. I think is going to be honestly, you know, freeze letting go. Right, yeah. we've seen this with other coaches, and he sure. has had his hand on the steering wheel of the offense for a long time, and he enjoys that part and he's good at it. So him letting go is going to be the biggest challenge for him, and staying out of it uh, in a way where he's adding value but not, you know causing challenges with Montgomery. I, I think that's yeah. the biggest thing. I think otherwise the offense is going to be pretty pretty fun, I think. It has the potential to be very exciting. This is You and I have talked about it over the years. This is the whole idea of the offense where they line the receivers out really wide and kind of dictate to the defense what it is able to do and make it make choices even before the ball is snapped. That all is very exciting to me. Yeah. Again, you, if the de- again, you, you end up with a lot of one-on-ones and outside receivers, mm-hmm. and the defensive backs naturally play toward the middle of the field because they basically have the – the boundary is an extra defender. They're like, well, that guy can't run out of bounds, so he can only kind of come towards the middle of the field or run down the sideline. And such, a, if you watch Tennessee play this year, what you see is in this offense a lot of kind of down the sideline throws because it's going to be one-on-one and the receiver is going to get an advantage on him. And the other thing this does is it – and this is where I fussed about this for years with some of the other things we did is it – prevents the defense from overloading the box and you get better running lanes sometimes. And yeah. you saw Tennessee run the ball well this past year and a lot of that was it forces the defenders to be very wide. And you have if you want to commit an extra guy on a wide receiver for Tennessee, he's got to be way outside the hash marks basically. And so then if they run in the middle, it's tougher for that guy to get back and help in the tackle. So this is exciting. Um so now, what do you think about Roberts. I, I read an interesting article. Bruce Feldman, when Roberts got hired, Bruce Feldman retweeted an article he wrote in The Athletic a couple years ago. It is actually the subject article was Pete Golding, the, the Alabama defensive coordinator who they don't love, but it's another Roberts disciple along with some other people, right? And it was a kind of about that piece. And one of the things it said that I thought was really interesting is that Roberts has a reputation for being an excellent coach of coaches, Mm. that he develops his young coaches well and teaches them well, and that a lot of 
you know, veteran defensive coordinators and, and coordinators don't spend a lot of time trying to teach, especially to teach uh, coaches stuff that's not about their position. But one of the things that Roberts does is, like, every day, basically, he'll have the defensive coaches in the room, and he'll go, okay, it's your turn, go up there, and he'll draw us up on the board, and go, okay, you're the offense, how are you going to attack that? Or you're the, you know, if we line up like this, what what is the offense going to do? Or the offense lines up like this, how would you stop it? How would you line up to stop them? And then they talk through it. And it's a teaching session, but it's also kind of a brainstorming thing at the same time. And it's developing those young coaches so when they get the opportunity to interview for another job, they're better prepared to do that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, it, it, the first thing that crosses my mind thinking about that is I almost wish that um, – I know that he's a defensive coordinator on his own now, but I almost wish that Travis Williams was still on our staff – just so he could kind of take take uh, some benefit from that kind of coaching of coaches, because I mean that just seems like a really good opportunity that some people are going to get. So, yeah. Well, that's... Etheridge is going to get it. Oh yeah, as we learned tonight. Mm, that's the latest thing. Yep, Zach Etheridge retained. So I guess this is what I'm going to ask you then. So, so McGriff will be in charge of like the secondary overall or the safeties or something and Etheridge, the DBs, or how do you think they're going to portion that out? I, I think they're going to do um, safeties versus corners probably. Yeah. Um, and so one of them will do corners one of them will do safeties. So, and then together kind of, yeah. And they'll together, they'll work it out. But you needed, I mean, Zach's a good recruiter. He knows Auburn. He was a player for us. Um, but, I mean, McGriff has coached here twice before, too, anyway, you know, also. So he's pretty familiar as well. I, I like the idea that even though we're getting this whole staff of new people in, we've also got people that either played here or coached here or both and, and kind of know their way around and know it really well. I mean, this, this staff – is very promising to me in the sense that it's a real good combination of a lot of in a lot of ways, right? They're from big schools, they're from little schools. They're they have Auburn connections. They don't have Auburn connections. Um, they've worked together. They haven't worked together. There's just quite a it's just quite a kind of a combination of uh, of of personalities. And um, I'm really really I mean if if I wasn't an Auburn fan. Um, I would be curious to watch the story of how this team and this staff play out over the next year or so, just because I think it's an in, it's an interesting sports story. It's an interesting human story of if you put these people together in this situation, what are they going to, how are they going to, you know, what are they going to come up with? How's it going to go? Yep. No, it is interesting. It's interesting to see how they go and how they mesh. Um, and the one change from the last time we spoke is uh christian robinson is out and the guy looks like it's not official but it looks like the guy who's the defensive coordinator linebackers coach at liberty is going to be in as the linebackers coach after their bowl game is over in a few days and so the one position we have left is wide receiver coach yeah which is not filled and we have some there's some hints there's some whispers but we'll have to see right yeah uh, we should know and i mean i think we should have a wide receiver coach and before we record another podcast about that. Well, will will signing day be before we record another podcast? Yes. The, well, the early signing period starts Wednesday and lasts three days. So, yes. Okay. So, this is what we're all building up toward is what we can reel in on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this yep. this this here coming, this, this here presently here hey, week. 
and one of the mm, less savory parts of college football coaching is that oftentimes after signing day, after the players are locked in and can't go anywhere, some of the coaches change seats. Yeah, that's true. That is true. That's that's uh, not my favorite thing that happens in college football. That no. it it seems like uh, it's it's almost like it's like you get married. And then as soon as they both say, I do, the wife is like, all right, I'm out of here. Here's my cousin. Enjoy. <laughs> you know, here's this woman I found on the street that I don't even know. You two have fun. So that is kind of, but you now it's just how, it's just the nature of the business, the nature of the game. People understand that. What do we make, by the way, of, of, um, of Christian Robinson, the linebacker coach? And again, I mean, I, I know that, you know, guy from Liberty, no, I mean, look, Nobody can blame Hugh Freeze for hiring people that he's familiar with, right? So the question will just be, is the person he's familiar with there better than the other option? And we don't know. Yes. And, well, but I just, just want to be clear. With the last coaching staff, we found out that was often not the case. Right. Yeah. Of course, with the last coaching staff, we also found out that when he had people that were not his – he didn't get along very well with them either. So it was like, no, do you want to no. do you want an assistant coaching staff that is independent and doesn't like you and doesn't get along with you, or do you want an assistant coaching staff that's just mainly incompetent in this area? And those were the two choices. Whereas hopefully there's a third choice here, which is people he knows and works well with that are also pretty good. So hopefully that hopefully that's a little different but uh, that, that is the sweet spot we're aiming for that is what we're aiming for yeah so um, so we'll see what ends up happening with the uh, the receiver coach as we always say that's that's usually a position that is a good recruiter and um, we certainly I you know we've already got some good recruiters on this staff thinks that's going to be a nice transition to our next topic but or our next couple of topics but I will certainly not as they say, kick a good recruiter out of bed i'll take as many as we can get you know no but i also i want somebody who's again i want it all right i want somebody who's a good recruiter and who uh is a good uh coach we are we have some wide receivers that need coaching and development yeah oh for sure for sure but i think we've got at least one or two on the roster that have potential yes and bringing in some more would be would be very very good. We're going to get to that in just a second. But first, uh, let's take a look inside the. You know, John. A lot of people don't know that to go through the transfer portal, you have to get into a blue London police call box. Yeah, there you go. Things you didn't know. That's what this show does. So. All right. First up, we got to talk quarterbacks. This was a weird thing that happened. Lay out for us what happened with the Coastal Carolina and NC State quarterbacks, for those that don't know. Well, I'm glad NC State exists. We'll have to talk about him. Uh, <laughs> we would, um, we'd be like, this guy's just coming out of nowhere. He's been playing rec league. Whoa. <laughs> um, so, again, last week on this podcast, we had a bunch of excitement talking about Grayson McCall, who's the – Coastal Carolina quarterback. He entered the transfer portal and was interested in Auburn. He called Auburn. Auburn. Yeah. You say, I am interested. Yeah. However. However. Uh, however. However. What happened was, whatever major he's majoring in at, at 
Coastal Carolina, did not transfer properly to Auburn, and he was basically going to be set way back on the academic side and not be close to graduation, which is what he is actually close to now. And you'd have to take go back and take a bunch of uh, requirement classes to catch up and, and be well behind. And, and I think it's not an unreasonable expectation that he didn't want to do that. So no. he's now looking at other schools, including the University of Florida. Oh, geez. Um, and then uh, Devin Leary. Well, hold, is, is that is hold up, hold up. Is that an Auburn thing? Because it happened with Desi Sills, the the uh, Arkansas, I believe, point guard. Yes. Is that an Auburn thing, or is it these schools are teaching basket weaving as a major, and we're like, no, we're not having any of that. I'm not going to go as far as the basket weaving thing, but this is. Let me boil it down this way. Like some other schools have a major that is more like general liberal arts or general education or whatever um, that a lot of athletes take and Auburn doesn't offer that you got to fit it into some specific major yeah I was general liberal arts for two years but then they came to me pointed a gun at my head and said choose something kid and I'm like ah political science sir yeah so this guy's entering his senior year he's had to have already in our sense had to have already chosen but because of the major requirements at these other schools, he didn't have to. He was able to stay in a more general bucket. So yeah. I, that's the basic deal, and it is the same thing with Desi Sills. There are other people that we, I'm sure, in the transfer portal in football and basketball that we talked to that we couldn't get, right, that were going to be a problem uh, transferring to Auburn. And this happens to other schools, too. There are schools with uh, lesser academic standards than Auburn who make it very easy for players to get in and, and it's not an issue. Um, and we are not going to do the a tail wags the dog thing here right? where we are going to r- radically change the academic side of the institution to make it easier to get players in school. But what's Florida going to do? They've got they like... apparently have some major that he'll – It'll work for him. Uh, well, maybe we need to get some. I mean, I know you. I know what you just said, but <laughs> as soon as I said that, Vance, like we need that. Well, I no, I don't want to change the academic requirements and everything, but having a major that would be more compatible with what people coming from other institutions that are accredited that go through accreditation periodically, that apparently go through program review and everything, like my college does, and they keep their accreditation. It can't be that bad. You know, we're not freaking Stanford. We're not Harvard. We'd like to think we're the Harvard of the South, but that's it what... It probably matter. That's, no, what was... I was... Uh, it was... Uh, I think maybe you were... Were you still around when we had in Auburn? We had This is an Auburn thing. I'm still on topic. Were you around still when we had... Or was it when I came back from my other degree that, that um, we had Hollifield? Were you around for Hollifield? Okay. And he said, I came here from... Duke or whatever, because this was the Harvard of the South, right? And we're all just kind of like, if, if if you think so, sir, sure, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. He, by the way, went on to be the head of the, uh, I believe, the head of the John Tower School of International Studies or something at SMU. So God bless Dr. Hollifield. Good for him. He's an interesting, dude. So back to football. Um, so we don't have a major that would work for Grayson McCall. So he's going somewhere else. We also ha- so he didn't even come on campus. No, he didn't come. Dev- Devin Leary, the NC State quarterback, came on campus. Yep. Uh, but he's also visited Kentucky, and some people think he is there the leader. Mm. Um, so I 
I would describe Devin Leary as solid, consistent, um, productive, but well, he's supposedly steady. number one, and and McCall was number two in the rankings, right? Yeah, yeah, I get it. But I mean, again, I think he's a very. Uh, I, I mean, I th- to me, I think McCall has a little higher ceiling in terms of college football. Yeah, super clear. Right, right, um, right, 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 right. But I mean, I think I absolutely think. Uh, Leary could be Jared Stidham about that. Yeah, well that that worked out pretty well. He was good for us there. Yeah. Would would would, would Grayson McCall be more Bo Nix or uh, something in that line, something in that order maybe? Yeah, but less up and down. He's okay. way more accurate than Bo. Okay. All right. Um, so anyhow, I this leads to I want to, we're going to have a discussion in a few minutes, and, but I want to just put a pin in this because I want the question is like. How badly do we need a transfer quarterback? Right. Well, that's a legitimate question, too, right? Because we do have somebody. We have bodies. We just, you know, this is like we could get somebody in for a year while we kind of reprogram our existing, you know, dudes, which is which is uh, kind of flush out that potato-based operating system and get some good... Uh, <laughs> Put these electrodes on your temples and lay down. <laughs> it, this mouth guard in. It, it, it never happened. It never happened. <laughs> so, all right, all right. So we'll get – so the quarterback situation, Leary did come in. He spent the weekend. He spent a couple of days in Auburn, right, this last few days. And uh, we'll see how that plays out. We'll know pretty soon, right? Well, well, this is the weird thing. Like, again, the, the early signing period is Wednesday to Friday. The transfer portal window goes until middle of January. Okay. Um, so – there's only a few more days in there after the holidays for players to make visits, but they right. can make a decision up until the middle of January. Yeah, between the transfer thing and then the signing day thing, and then it's moved around, and it's all it's all so different now than it was just three or four years ago that it's all very confusing. But uh, and it's easy to kind of get confused with that. But okay, um, we got a tight end from FIU, I, a top thirty player in the transfer portal. Our first transfer in. So that's exciting. Rivaldo Fairweather. Oh, so cool many name. things I can say with those two names. Well, first, <laughs> we're all now Fairweather fans. That's cool. That's great. Rivaldo, Rivaldo was one of the great scorers for Brazil. He was the number nine on the Brazilian team for like several World Cups. So I'm excited to see this guy score and light it up like Rivaldo did. That's pretty exciting. He's a he's a good receiver, a good productive receiver at tight end who's had a lot of catches and yards, and so I think I think he's coming to this offense, you know, thinking he's going to be a playmaker. When you know, again, when uh, Freeze was at Ole Miss, they had Evan Ingram, yeah, who is basically a big wide receiver playing tight end, mm. and so I think uh, he could sell that, and I think that's you know, you look at Fairweather and and theoretically Landon King, and those guys could be in that role and be making plays, so. I'm going to say we have two guys like that then now. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's exciting. That's very exciting. Yep. Um, but I feel like we have been bringing in some other folks. I mean, it was it that was is is oh, he yeah. the only is he the only transfer so far to come through? He's the only transfer to, to sign and say I am definitely coming to Auburn. Okay, we had a lot of big time offensive linemen transfers yep. on campus this weekend. Guy from Stanford. Guy from. Tulsa, who played for a certain mm-hmm. person who's now employed by Auburn on the offensive Monte. coaching staff. Monte. Uh, who, again, that guy's an offensive tackle that could go anywhere in the country. 
everybody wants him and we have an in with with Montgomery. Yeah. Um, and so I think those two and there's one other offensive tackle transfer that was on campus this weekend too. So they they are interested in those guys and I think we are going to get yeah, I think we're going to get a couple of offensive linemen out of the transfer portal who are going to sign with Auburn. And, and Hallelujah. Because the, the opportunity is just too big. I think we're going to sign some high school recruits. We may sign a couple of JUCO guys or one or two JUCO guys in addition to the high school guys. But I also think we're going to get a transfer or two in the offensive line for sure. That, man, I mean, that's obviously the main thing. And it's something that if that we were afraid there for a while, we were not going to be able to, to get. And now maybe it just seems like night and day lately, honestly. Yeah. One of the guys was a, as a offensive tackle from Stanford who was literally a four-year starter, starter for them. His name's like Rouse, something like that. And he entered the transfer portal like, Friday and was on campus at Auburn on Saturday. Uh, <laughs> there you go. We're the first school he's visited. Everybody's going to want this guy again because he's coming from Stanford. He can get in anywhere. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, a, a guy who has a, you know, he started 40 something games. So he has productive experience uh, and he's a grown man. So, yeah, I mean, I think if he transfers to Auburn, they basically get him. He's in the he enters the PhD program more or less at that point. Come from Stanford, so yeah. Um, all right, so recruits, we've got uh, we've got some flips. I don't have a flip sound effect, but we got some flipping. There's flip, flip, flopping, flip, flipping, flip, flip, flipping going on. Well, we had to get flips because there's only so many good uncommitted players, and we needed players. Yes. I mean. Between the this is in the big picture between the transfer portal and recruiting, Auburn needs about thirty five players. Jeez. Okay, so Good. that's a lot. That's a lot Gosh. of guys. And currently committed, uh, we have fifteen. Okay, and then the <laughs> the one tight end in the transfer portal that's sixteen. So we got nineteen more guys we got to get. Uh, you know, between now and again, there's also the later signing period. In February, and there's some good players who are waiting until then. Um, but we want to get most of it now, right? Yeah. Between the transfer portal and these guys in the early signing period. So we have 15 commits. We're up to 10th in the SEC, but like, uh, and and we're like 28th in the country or something God, like that. But I never, I never thought I would be excited to hear that we're at 10th <laughs> in the SEC. We're up to 10th in the SEC. We were 14th yeah. out of 14 not long ago. Yeah, and I think you know again on a per player basis, we're eighth and we're almost seventh. I think we're going to finish at least in seventh, and that means you know uh, that I I believe that Auburn is going to finish between fifteen and twenty in the overall national recruiting rankings, yeah. which is an, honestly a miracle. Yeah, compared where we considering were, where we've been for a year. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's an absolute. I mean, It would, yeah, for sure. And and this is the thing you have to say about this coaching staff and, and about Freeze himself is that they are really, really working hard on the recruiting trail right now. Yeah, and not just not just with again because we got the transfer guys and we got the recruits we're trying to sign this week, but they're talking to guys for next year too already. Mm-hmm. They're making they better be. on those guys in next year's class because we right because they've got to make up ground on those guys. So yeah, the again we. In the last week, we flipped a safety from Tennessee, a defensive tackle from Arkansas, 
and an offensive lineman from Miami. Um, all those guys were committed. With, and again, all of those were guys that maybe Auburn could have had committed to it earlier yeah. if they had done the work that they needed to do. That they're doing now. Yeah, I That's think the, right. the offensive lineman at Miami – he was one that chose Miami over like Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson. He's, I mean, he's a, he's the real yeah. deal. Connor Lewis, he's a good player. Yeah, and he ended up going to Miami, and now he's allegedly coming to Auburn. So that's basically the equivalent of a win over Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson. Mm-hmm. And Miami. And again, so Sylvester Smith, the safety that we got from Tennessee, is a four star. He's a good player. He could have gone a lot of places. He could play safety, mm-hmm. nickel, and stuff. Um, and the defensive tackle we got, I think a lot of people wanted him too. He's a big defensive lineman who, you know, who's committed to Arkansas for a while. So feel pretty good about those guys. And I think, you know, he uh Steven Johnson is that guy's name. So, you know, there's a lot of good players out there. There's A committed other schools that we have a chance to to get. And B, there are some big time uncommitted guys. Um, you know, Wednesday's gonna be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens and who we get and who we don't get. There's two big five-star defensive linemen in, in the state of Alabama that are uncommitted, uh, James Smith and Clay Roussaw, and they've been to Auburn a, a lot to visit. Uh, I think if any sane person were going to bet money on those two people, what would happen, you would assume they are going to go to Alabama. Mm-hmm. But Auburn has a shot with you know uh, each of them and both of them. Um, and the fact that we're in it, I think, is a good testament to you know, the, the work that coaches have been doing. Um, you know, if we get one of those guys, it is like freaking, you know, gigantic, insane victory. I'm just going to say it. So I don't know whether that's going to, I doubt that's going to happen. I'm going to be honest, but I think we're going to end up with a really good recruiting class with a lot of good players. And I think a year from now and two years from now with these coaches, we are going to be in a vastly different position where top 15 to 20 in the country is the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that, let me see if I can get this to work. Millions. No, I can't. All right, go ahead. No, I, yeah, I, I, we've got, we, and remember this, the situation we always face is we can be 15th in the country and still be not in the top eight or so in the sec. Okay. Here it is. But now, here, let me try it again. I'm not sure you. I'm not sure it was loud enough. Yeah. Well, I was trying to play the where where the stringer on on whatever that show is. The wire says, "I want you to put the word out there that we back up." So, um, no, I think that's I think that's fair. I think the re- again the level of effort and productivity and effectiveness in recruiting is ten thousand times what it was six months ago. Yeah, yeah, and and it has to. That's the thing, though. But you're right. It has to be if we want to be competitive in this conference. Right. We had this conversation recently that Auburn has to decide, are we going to be what we were in the 80s and maybe some in the 90s and 2000s where we at least occasionally are up there with the top teams or are we content to be Kentucky? And, I mean, this is what you have to do if you want to be with the top level. It's just what you have to do. So. All right, uh, shall we transition over for a moment to basketball? We do have a couple of basketball things. We shall. Um, I did see, we have a note about Wendell uh, and his injury. Uh, 
from the twisted ankle. Also, um, uh, Jalen Williams got hurt, hurt his shoulder. I saw that his mother tweeted that he was in a lot of pain. He hurt his shoulder, but apparently it wasn't like long-term serious. It just like bruised his shoulder and hurt him, but hopefully he'll be able to kind of, you know, shake it off and get back. But that's two huge injuries just as we go on this West Coast swing. Um, you know, we're a team that has not a lot of scoring right now. And if our and our leading scorer is injured and out and, and in Wendell Green and didn't get to play at all, uh, our one of our most important offensive players, KD Johnson, was out at least for one game over like a suspension type thing. And I didn't see him play more than a couple of minutes against USC. I honest, I was out at dinner and or, or at some, I was at something. Oh, it was it was yesterday, wasn't it? The USC game, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, we were on the way to the concert. We went to the El Monstro concert in, in the pageant in St. Louis, and so we were eating at the chicken place down the street from it and had it on the phone, but I was kind of having to watch it intermittently, and so I only saw KD come in toward the very end. So with KD having his troubles, with Wendell out hurt, now with Jalen Williams hurt, with the freshmen not really emerging yet, although maybe this situation will press them into developing faster than they were. You know, you never know. The the just as we're on this West Coast swing, this has not been a good week for Auburn basketball, relatively speaking. No, I mean we lost our second game in a row, right? Yeah. Um, to Southern Cal, and I the it was a tough game. Um, this is what I would say though: we turned the ball over. On a third of our possessions, okay? Yeah. And in the second half, there were 19 fouls called against Auburn. So they were in the double bonus the whole time, basically. Unbelievable. Uh, With Wendell Hurt, they pressed us, and that contributed to the numbers. I could, even from seeing four minutes (laughs) of the action, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're just pressing us the entire game because we've got a freshman out there bringing the ball up. Yeah, but we'll come back to Trey Donaldson because he really emerged as a threat. Again, we lost by three. Yeah. Okay? I want to be clear. This was, again, on the road against a team that's going to be in the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. We turned the ball over on a third of our possessions Mm -hmm. and committed a ton of fouls, and our point guard was banged up and and ineffective, and we lost by three points. Yeah. So, again, if we turn the ball over, you know, 15 times. Yeah, we still win. We and, can win. You know, we win the game by 10 points. Okay? <laughs> Again, we turned we did we turned the ball over on one third of our possessions <laughs> and scored 71 points. Yeah, that's, that's, that's okay. so definitely the I, definitely the upside of it. Yeah. Again, this is the this is the really stupid part of this game is that when we got the ball down to the offensive end successfully, we shot the ball better than we have. Mm-hmm. Um Trey Donaldson played great in this game, really well. He get picked up three quick fouls the second half, and the refs were kind of getting carried away. But he, of the three freshmen, he's the one I didn't expect anything from this year. But he made plays in this game. Yeah. He made plays. And I think, to me, we don't have a go-to offensive guy, right? We need offensive sparks yeah. where we can get them. And I think KD is the uh, go-to, but he can only do yeah, so much. I, but no, 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 no. I, I'm going to say this: of, I, 
of guys that I want to focus offensively on right now that I want to get the ball to, yeah. I would say Jalen Williams, number one, mm. Flanagan, number two, yeah, Bro- Broom, number three, and then, honestly, you know, Wendell, if he was 100% healthy, yeah, and then maybe Trey Donaldson. I'm just going to tell you, he was shooting the ball well, he was making stuff happen, he was initiating the offense, and KD's going through a rough stretch, and... I, he's really good defensive player. He can attack the basket and draw contact and stuff. But I, the other two freshmen, Trey Hoare is, you know, not adding a whole lot, I don't think, right now. And, you know, the other freshman who was so great against in the games in Israel, but then he had the surgery, he's not close to being where he was. Um, and so I think both of those freshmen, their minutes could be greatly reduced, I think, going forward. Uh, and they'll play, but they're going to play a few minutes a game. And I think we're going to see more. But then we're in a situation where we're going to, you know, if Donaldson's going to play, somebody's going to get less minutes. And maybe Zep, uh, Jasper gets less minutes. I, yeah, that surprised me that he's, it's, it has surprised me that he hasn't, he has not been a standout this year because I thought it, he had the potential from last season to be really good this year. Me too. I thought he, especially like it was Wendell out, I thought he would kind of take over and lead, you know, uh, the offense and make stuff happen, but it did not happen. And so, again, it was a tough loss, and but they, the defense is still really good and will keep us in every single game, period. Yeah. Um, we now Wednesday night we play at Washington. Um, as we ran through our little entertaining discussion last week, it's on the Pac-12 Network. Um, <laughs> that was my favorite part of the show last week was our Pac-12 Network <laughs> advice on how to get it and everything. Yeah. It, that was fun. Um, and it's uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. Yeah. On Wednesday night on the. Pac-12. That's late for me. That really sucks for you. Welcome to you know East <laughs> you're, Coast. Like, you're used to it, yeah, that's true. But Eleven still. o'clock on some you know weeknight, I got to get up and go to work the next day, and I'm yelling at the referees or whatever. So. <laughs> so Washington, I mean, what do we know about them? Are they better than USC? Worse than USC? I know. Nothing I don't about think them. they're as good as USC, but I I will look while we are talking. I honestly don't know. All right, so. Um, I guess the way I guess what we're looking at, I, I have the thing that's been exciting to me is while while Zepp has not been so far this season what I was kind of hoping uh, and emerged, I've been encouraged that uh, that like Chris Moore and Jalen yes. Williams are are big dudes that have been here for a while. They've never been superstars on our team, right? But they've been there. And, you know, that's one thing that Bruce's teams always seem to – and it may be true of other teams too, whatever, but I'm just saying, you know, because I watch Auburn, okay? I don't watch every Mm -hmm. basketball. I watch Auburn. One thing I've noticed over the last decade is that Bruce will have, like, you know, two or three really big players that he kind of depends on, but he always has that middle-level cast of, like, three or four guys – that are big and strong and can go in and get rebounds and they can shoot the ball in the paint, you know, kind of enforcers. And, and, and we've always had some guys like that. And, you know, um, Horace Spencer was an example. Yeah. And um, there have been so many over the years. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. But, but Chris Moore 
and uh, and and Jalen, and uh, there's a couple of others on this team. It's been fun to see them kind of emerge. They kind of put in their work. They were in the shadows the last couple of years of these NBA first rounders and everything, but they've got experience. They know what they're doing. They've played together for a long time. The 19 team had several of those, uh, and and they were on last year's team, these guys, and now it's just really fun to see them kind of emerging again when they get the opportunity. I like it. No, I, I agree. And I, one of the biggest things is, you know, Jalen Williams feeling okay. we got to get him the ball more. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was five for six in this game. Yeah. Why did he – if that was the case, why did he only get six shots? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, wasn't he the one that was scoring for us last year in the Miami game in our last game? He was like the only guy that was able to do anything against Miami. So he's got potential. Yeah, so we we got to get him the ball more. Uh, and it's too easy for him to become invisible in possessions and yeah. other guys being more aggressive with the Chuck ball. Chuck and so. Duck. We get the Chuck and Duck going. Yeah, I, I do the, the funny main thing. Every time he starts playing well, I'm like, come on, Jalen. Come on, Jalen. Come on, Jalen. <laughs> So that's always a lot of fun. All right. So all right. So we're at Washington Wednesday night. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, then you got one more day to wait for more Auburn basketball. After Washington, is their trip done? They still go somewhere else, or I can't remember. No, that's right. it. And then we're going home after that. And then it's uh, SEC play after Christmas, Florida. Ah. Ah. Wednesday, December 28th, Neville Arena. And I was going to say, I remember that one's home because we would be talking about it if it was back down in the yeah. in the in the gator pit so all right so that's basketball and again we really just i mean here's the thing here's my last word on basketball for this week okay this is my words of wisdom uh for basketball for this week i see auburn fans very down on this team and criticizing it and complaining and i i understand your emotions after what we had last year anything almost is going to seem like a step down you know you know it's funny we look back at the 2020 team and it was disappointing us during the season. And you look back now, that 2020 team may be the second best team Bruce has had. That team was going to make a run in the tournament if there had been a tournament. Yes. It may be the second best team he had. And at the time, we were like, oh, man, they're not playing like the Final Four team. Oh, they suck. You know. So this is what happened. It, it, it always takes his teams a little time to come together because we lose so much every year. You know, we don't just lose seniors. We lose the, the top players, too. So you got to give them time to develop chemistry and get their act together. I hear you. I this So I wanted to have a, a discussion about this. I'm glad you brought it up. I, okay. I, I do think expectations for this basketball team were a problem. And I think you are right to kind of talk about that. I, I don't think, again, I don't think this team's going to win the SEC. Um but they're still plenty good enough to be competitive in the SEC night to night and finish in the top third of the SEC or whatever and make the NCAA tournament. I think that is going to happen. And so we just have – but it's not going to be easy. <laughs> you know, every no. game is going to be a, a war. Um, and so – but there are going to be days when we beat great teams and there are going to be days when we lose the teams and we're like, what the heck happened there? So – um, but you are also right in that you know this team could look vastly different in you know 60 days. So yeah, and I mean you never know over the course of a basketball season what's going to happen because 
there was a point last season where we had the best basketball team in the country, and there was another point last year where we lost in like what the first round, the second round of the SEC basketball tournament, and then went yes. and lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament. And I mean, the, the, you know, again, the Final Four team, which is our Rosetta Stone of Auburn basketball teams in some ways, they were very mediocre until the SEC tournament. Yeah, the Final Four team lost a game uh, around this time of year. They went to NC State, which I'm oh, glad yes. we can say that now. Yes. And they lost a game where they turned the ball over a bunch and shot poorly. Oh, I remember that like it was yesterday. Absolutely. Yeah, and they had to get a miracle three-pointer from Chuma to beat Georgia right before the SEC tournament started. So you yes. just never – that a big part of basketball is, is when to peak, peaking at the right time. And last year's team peaked in January. And I don't think it's like all their fault. You can't control it. It is what it is. I'm not blaming them to a large degree. They, they played their guts out. But as we always say, guard play goes a long way in March. And last year's team, for all its greatness, was not a great guard team, guard play team. And the Final Four team, for all of its crappiness in a lot of the season, was a great guard team. So that's the big, that's the thing. And so anyway, all right. You also, talking about discussion of that, you also wanted to ask about quarterback play for the football team so throw that out there and let's let's deal with that real quick so with these transfer portal quarterbacks coming on campus we have we've been you know there's been a lot on our plate to talk about yeah over the last half of the football season the hiring search the hiring blah 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 so we did not have to have this conversation and i but we needed to have it which is how badly does Auburn need a transfer quarterback? How do we feel about Robbie Ashford right now mm-hmm. and going forward? How comfortable are you on a scale one to ten if yeah. they're like, we're not bringing anybody else? It's Robbie Ashford, the guy. Well, one. the honest answer to that, I mean, we can get into speculation and that's fine, but the straight up answer is we're not going to know until a day at the very earliest because. We haven't seen Robbie Ashford get the kind of coaching that he's hopefully going to be getting now going forward with Montgomery and Freeze and everybody else that's that's going to be working with him. So I don't know what the top what his top end is. I think it's good, and I would love for him to be able to kind of back up a senior quarterback that can pass the ball well. And come in and, and do some backup play and learn from somebody and I and, and and not have to go out there and have the whole team riding on his shoulders like he did this year when he God, he did the best he could. He fought through all kind of injuries. Take nothing away. Take nothing away from Robbie Ashford for the effort, the sheer guts, uh, the level of play that he had under all those negative circumstances. Give the man a medal, absolutely. But I would love for him to now be able to kind of go to graduate school behind somebody that can kind of like help him with the more technical aspects. Because we know that we know that he has the raw ability. Uh, he just needs to be more refined and the nuances, right? And and I want to see him coached up and having a good example around him so that once it's it really is you're not having to put a freshman out there 
once it is kind of his turn, he will be a far more effective quarterback than he kind of was forced to be over the last few months. That's how I see it. I think that's very reasonable, and I agree. I, I'm with you. I think I would like to see Auburn get a one-year um, transfer at quarterback. I don't think we need to go get a guy who has two or three years of eligibility left. Right. Um, I, we got Gurner. Holden Gurner is still on the team. I like him, and I like him. You know, Again, that's a guy with some talent potential with these coaches in the offensive system. I think that's a guy that could be – effective down the road too um i i want to see ashford with good coaching but i also want to see ashford healthy he did not complete a lot of you know his completion percentage was bad okay his accuracy was bad and it's easy to say it was all injuries um but even before he got hurt it wasn't awesome no and some of that is you know like you said the rawness the lack of refinement as a passer and he needs that, and I think he you're right that he can get it with this staff. I don't think he's going to do this, but if Auburn brought in another quarterback, would he leave? I, I, I thought about that, and I don't I, – I, if it's a one-year guy, I don't think so. Okay. But I agree with you, though, that you bring in somebody that's like a direct competition for the rest of his career, there might be a strong desire to leave. It, I think it depends on – what he thinks he can get out of the new coaching staff. And that's totally fair for him. You know, if he thinks that it will improve his game and make him competitive and everything, then then that's, you know, maybe he'll say, I've already shown some of what I can do. Now let's see if I can get better. But I don't know. I don't Megan, know. I, he may feel like whoever it is, let him come. I'll compete with him. Yeah, maybe so. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's good to have him, and I, I certainly am grateful for everything he did so far. I love the fact that when um, that when uh, we played uh, under Cadillac the last several games, they didn't ask him to do some of those passes. That you know, it was it was the same it was it was the same thing. It was the, the you know the previous staff who shall remain nameless, except as a root vegetable. They had their idea of what the offense was going to be, and they wanted to force what we had into their mold. And when Cadillac took over, he basically said, what do we do well? Let's do that a lot and do it well. And, I mean, you know, it had much better <laughs> outcomes because they did it well. They knew, you, know, you didn't have Ashford out there trying to throw the little flare pass every other play and driving it into the ground or throwing it away or whatever. So, uh yeah, that's. Um, I think we saw a lot more of his potential. If if all we knew about Robbie Ashford was like a couple of games in the first half of the season, I'd be like, eh, who cares, right? But after what he did in those last four games or so, I hope that we can keep him, and I'd like to see him be our quarterback in the future very much. Is you know if if it works out that way, so that's fair. All right, let's uh, pause to thank our patrons. Remember, this show does not have advertisements. We don't do ads. But the reason, the reason that we don't pop up ads for various things from chicken wings to uh, marital aids to whatever you find on these other shows, and you find some really weird stuff on them, is because of you guys. You, you guys and gals out there, our patrons. Go to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com. Click on the big orange button. And again, while you're there, look around. There's some cool videos and cool audio uh, shows that we've kind of bookmarked and everything from our 10 years plus on the air. But also click on the big orange button to become a patron. Uh, we're about to tell you the latest 
uh, bonus activity for our patrons has just ended, and we'll say who won it and everything. Um, but meanwhile, let's thank our existing patrons. And this is one of the perks, I guess you can call it that, that you get. Um, I guess, John, we should look into doing some NFTs or something. That seems to be all the rage now. Uh, again. I could say this. We will not be doing that. <laughs> all right. Sc- sc- <laughs> go ahead and... There goes that. All right. <clears throat> but what we do have is that we thank the we thank the uh, the patrons individually every episode, and you can put whatever you like as long as it'll fit in the name blank, and that's what I think. So we have to thank Samuel Salvatore, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Boris the Tiger's Burner account. What I, lo- I love that, that he has that. That just makes me so excited. Uh, Carl Von Drunker, Ann Kangian, Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC, uh, Logan Chilton. Hey, there goes Tank. Uh, Matthew Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor, who is, of course, the master sommelier at... Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. We have to thank Richard Stevens, Susan Trawick, Steve Trawick, did them backwards this time, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, Basketball Season Plus the Basketball Book, a winning combination since 2022. I like that very much. Yeah, go. You, you, there's also a link on the www.auwishbone.com if you want to order a copy or more of our basketball book. Uh, ben Bloodworth, uh, Chris Hilton, Go Crazy Cadillac, Go Crazy, Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Bobby. Freeze has more O-line commits in four weeks than Harson had in two years. Ah, oh, you made me say it. You made me say it. The, the rutabaga. <laughs> Unexpected. That's the first time I've said that word in a while. Uh, freeze warning has a new meaning after John's breakdown of the hire. Uh, I 76 tiger Esquire, a reputed sleazy shyster offered to defend John. Well, I guess we might have the, tri- are we going to have the trial of John ringer at some point? Is that what this is building up toward? I don't even know what to say to that, but probably. you are out of order. You're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. I'm always excited to have an opportunity to play that. I'm actually watching that movie currently. I got it paused with about 20 minutes to go. I haven't seen it in years. Uh, Jacob and Robin Fleming, John Atsuki, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Logan, Mickey B. I'm sorry, Mickey B. <laughs> That's the first time I've missed up saying his name in a while. No one fights like Gaston. Algo Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Phil Davis. Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owen, Sarah Brown, Steve Harlan, Theodore Geary, War Eagle Always, Warhammer 6, WDE Richie, it's Hugh Freeze time, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, uh, when Carol heard Cadillac was taking over the reins, and then he said... Good. Yeah. Good. Now we're having fun. Yes. Winston Body. Returning to Everything School, I hope so. Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger. What? Yeah, Boris is actually down here hanging out with me tonight. Uh, he tried to take over the show before we got started. Brandon Smith, Bubba Jack, Carter Glouse, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, David Simpson, Di Bama, Hugh Anderson, Hugo Sleeze's Tale of the Terrifying Three-Touchdown Loss to Vanderbilt. That's a new one. I'm not really familiar with that one. Um, <laughs> uh, 
I need AU Wishbone's help with the Betamax player I bought at Service Merchandise before Wednesday's basketball game. Nice. That that is sub. Here. Please clap. Oh, that's that is sublime and beautiful. Wow. And it, it, I love how it references to our conversation about the Pac-12 network. That's beautiful. Uh, well done. Well played. Josh Teal, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Papa Todd. <laughs> we get some funny ones. Patrick Williams and our one-time and anonymous donors. <laughs> okay. Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Tim Pittman, Tony Perry. Uh, we want access to College Bowl. Pick them. You got it. That's coming up. Weagle87 at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. AJ Herman, official so- social media monitor for Auburn Tackle Football Coach Uschleys. Uh Alex Wynn, Ben Amos, Ben Hanshew, Ben Regas, Brian Albanese, Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane. I am missing my category, Mr. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Daniel Witten, Darren Pyle, and finally, Elizabeth Donald. Escort you freeze elsewhere. We still have some folks that are not on board with uh, with the coach. So we'll we'll but we make no. I, I certainly make no uh, comment either way. Uh, let's see. Here's another one that I got to find the button for. And we got to get better at celebrating. Yep. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jason, the Weasel Skull, Albrick, Jeremiah Schumann, Jim McCrory, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains. Uh, the barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. AKA Auburn Dad for Life. Yeah, the barbecue does not come with a money back guarantee. I'm sorry. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. It's so not true. Paul Bankson, about, about, about Kathy, about me, it's certainly true. Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland. Spanky is the homeless guy that lives in the unisex bathroom at Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage. I didn't realize they had a, home, uh, 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 a unisex bathroom. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, thank you for my basketball book. You are welcome. Enjoy. The Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson. When Freeze wins John over, we can say it was... A miracle to turn to hair! That's fair. You guys missed Georgia State Hate, hate Week 2020. Did we? Did we miss Georgia State Hate Week? We played Georgia State in basketball, so we did. We did miss an opportunity uh, to play that. Oh, I Good don't even know. By that. Good call by that patron. Yeah, I don't even. I think I've taken all the Hate Weeks off of the board now because I have a limited number of. Uh, Boo. Well, I, I, you know what? I'll tell you this. I have a limited number. It gives me room for like uh, 10, 20, 30, like fifty. I think I have room for like 50 you know, sound effects. We could delete a couple of the Kingdom of Heaven things. No, no, I added two more. I added them because... Scott Wilson! And when that was the case, I simply said... So be it. There you go. Um, but let me say this. I have room for like 50 on the soundboard. I have to pay extra. I have to pay extra to expand the soundboard. And I haven't really wanted to spend like you know how many ever bucks to expand the soundboard, but if we get if if we have you have fifty and we don't have a heat week, come on, man. If we get three more patrons, then I will. Um, uh, let me get to the end and I'll tell you. Uh, and Brant Rumble, okay, there. Poor Brant's been waiting all this time. <laughs> Poor 
Rick's been waiting all this time. Uh, let me go back, and I'll tell you. Um, we have, I'm just looking for the overall number, because it's dropped a little bit. We have 129 patrons, okay? If we get to 132, I will go and expand the soundboard to like five times its current size, and I will put everything on it. How is that? Three more. Three more patrons. If we get to 132, I will expand the soundboard. Then nothing but hate week the rest of them. That'll be it. Yeah, a whole board of a whole page of nothing but eight weeks. I'll do eight weeks for every school in the SEC and half of the half of the lower divisions. Yeah. Now, if they're all three like one dollar patrons, that's fine. It just means that I'll be spending like a hundred dollars and being paid three dollars to help pay for it, and I'll pay ninety seven otherwise. But uh, but whatever it is, we will do it if we get three more patrons. All right. Uh, we speaking of our patrons, they got to do the bowl pick'em, which is underway right now. You wanna you wanna report on how that's going? You have any information on it? Momentarily. Okay, I'll go ahead and the World Cup thing. Yeah. All right. So we just did the World Cup pick'em, and I gotta say, by the way, if if you're not into soccer, that's cool. I didn't start watching the World Cup back in '94 because I like the sport of soccer. I started watching the World Cup back in '94 because a it was in the United States, it was kind of a big deal. And B, as politi- as a political science dude, an international relations major back then, uh, I was in graduate school at Auburn when it was going on. I was actually the editorial page editor of the Plainsman when the World Cup was going on in 94. I wrote several editorials about the World Cup during the 94 when I was the Plainsman editor, uh, editorial page editor. Um, um, I, that was why I was interested in the international. It was like World War III. The fact that they're kicking a ball around was incidental. The fact that it's like all these countries battling each other in on U.S. soil it was amazing. I just loved it, and I followed it very closely ever since. I don't really get into club soccer that much, but I or MLS. But I really love when the World Cup comes around and the Euros. And um, man, what we witnessed yesterday morning with it's hard to believe it was just yesterday morning it's like a week ago now with that world cup final argentina and france and that was one of the i mean again sport aside because we all loved that we're around for it the miracle on ice and i couldn't care less about hockey john i couldn't care less about hockey and the miracle on ice is one of the greatest sporting things i've ever seen right this was one of the greatest sporting things i've ever seen it was absolutely Amazing. It was riveting. It was intense and uh, exciting. And it was also great players making great plays yes. at the high, at the championship at the highest moment. That was yeah. wonderful, too. That's what you want. Yeah, you want to see the greatest players making a difference for the teams at the highest level at the in the championship of their sport. And that's what we saw. And it was, it was two heavyweights just slugging back and forth. Uh, Argentina came out, punched France in the mouth like Mike Tyson and dared him to get off the mat. And at the very end, France got up, punched him back, and we went into extra time. They knocked each other down again in extra time. It went to a shootout, and somehow Argentina hang, hung on and won it, and it was absolutely – it was like a heavyweight boxing match that went 20 rounds. It was fantastic. And speaking of great players making great plays in the moment – Maryland Aub won the Wishbone World Cup pool. Woo! Ran away with it. Congratulations. He did. 
Yeah, I like I said, I missed a couple of I missed like the first half of the second round, but I calculated that I wouldn't even come close, right? If I'd gotten them right. And here's the thing, I missed the I missed one of the two semifinals and I missed the final because as a, as an Argentina fan, I was rooting for Argentina, but I didn't think they were going to win. I didn't think they were going to beat uh, Croatia in the semifinals. So, I only got like one point <laughs> for the last two rounds. So, uh, Maryland Aub, man, congratulations for, for kicking butt. That was way awesome. Way to go. Now, the bowl pick'em is currently – the college football bowl pick'em is currently underway. So what can you tell us about that so far? Well, it's very – we've got big groups at the top. Again, we've played 10 games, 10 bowl games so far, and we have uh, – 15 people tied at 8 and 2 and then a huge group another 10 or 12 people tied at 7 and 3 including Van Boris is in the 8 and 2 group <laughs> I am in neither one of those groups so I'm in the, the back of the pack uh, but I uh, you know besides Boris a few other people the Boris burner also <laughs> in that group oh look appreciate. at him wow. uh, so again uh, a lot of a lot of good patrons in that first group. We appreciate you, and it's going to be good. With, a week from now, we'll be way further down this road, and we'll have some a good sense, maybe some separation. But again, fifteen yeah. teams, fifteen entries tied at eight and two. That's pretty good. That's amazing, eight and two. Wow, that is incredible. I haven't looked at it, but I'm going to have to go look at it when we're done with the show and, and be just amazed. Wow, so good deal. So we always have fun, and of course, we'll have March Madness. Uh, pool pick them coming up in a few in a couple of months you know coming up well by the time we get toward the end of the season that'll probably be our next big thing we'll also have the new formula one season rolling around that was a lot of fun uh, john was in the top five a lot of the season i was kind of hovering around just below the top five a lot of the season we had our our two guys that always do real well at it that were up near the top the entire season so that was just a really good time we had that coming around again so we're always we're always doing some kind of fantasy game or pool or pick them or something just another thing for you guys that uh that that want to uh participate and be part of the show jared is on special assignment for us for the next couple of weeks so we will come back to guess the game when he is back in the meantime uh we have to do this thank you order questions to the prime minister it's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. All right. It's real, it's real simple this week. Uh, we have one listener question from Sam Salvatore. who says, hello, guys. War Eagle and Mary Footmas to Auburn football. He says, so do we play Southern Cal at Auburn in basketball next season? I hope so, especially after watching their players wave at Auburn fans after barely escaping at home and mm. with the refs' help. Do we play them next year in Auburn? The answer is, I'm not sure. I don't think it's definitive. Mm. Um, I've tried to look around to see if we have a, a future deal with them that's on the books for sure, uh, but I'm not positive. In football, you can tell who's when you're going to yeah. play everybody, mm. and in basketball, it's a little squishier. Oh, that does remind me of something, though. I have a I have a host question for you. So, uh, my nephew reminded me a week or so ago that that game we've been pointing toward for it seems like a decade now that kept getting pushed back and pushed back is finally next season, and that is at Cal at Berkeley at the Bay Area. What are our? I when they first put that one on the books, I'm like, I totally want to go. 
But after after going to L.A. earlier this year for the James Bond event and how much money it costs to go out to California for a couple of days, I'm just like, I don't know if I'm dying to go to Berkeley after all. What are your thoughts on that preliminary months away from having to worry about it? Uh, my oldest daughter and I have kicked around the idea of going to this game for a while. Yeah. Uh, we went to Penn State and we, we kicked it around. But I But it's also, like you said... Not a cheap place to go right. for a game. Yeah. Um, so I'm in the thinking about it stage. Uh, I'm interested in doing some research about it, but I'm also like, you know. I'm more interested in it than I would be if we still had the uh, the root vegetable as our coach. That's for darn sure. Oh, I, I meant on that. Good gosh. I mean, I feel like at least we have a chance. Sure. If the minute, kind of a mid-level Pac-12 school, of course. Yeah. Absolutely, we had a chance with him as the coach so. <laughs> this past year. Yeah, but uh, it would be a neat trip. I, I'm. It's one of those things where if I just went by myself and did it super cheap, I'd be all for it. But you can't do anything like this super cheap anymore. Those days are over. And of course, if it's out to San Francisco, then my whole family's going to want to go, and then it's going to get astronomically expensive. So. We'll we'll just uh, throw it out there and kind of let it bounce around and see what happens. But uh, it would be neat. But uh, all right, so that's the only listener question we had. That's it. That's it. Not a lot going on. All right, last stop on this train. Hop in the car. Let's take a trip around the FTC. All right. So first up. T-Will, I forgot about this. We were talking about T-Will a minute ago. T-Will got a job. He is an SEC defensive coordinator now. Yep, he left Central Florida, and he's now the Arkansas defensive coordinator. Wow. Wow. That's, I mean, that's great. I hope he goes out there and does great. Yeah. And then when the day Very comes. Very happy for him and hope he has big success there. Yeah, yeah. And then someday Mama can call and we'll get him back, and that would be great. I love it. Love T-Will. Um all right, so we've only had one SEC bowl game so far. Is that correct? That's true. And there was actually an interesting storyline, Auburn-related, running through that game because Oregon State beat Florida like a rented Gator, and Florida, for most of that game, had no interest in being there or playing that football game. There was a tackle football game going on there, and Florida was largely unaware of that fact for most of the game. That was the impression I got. They did block a punt at one point in the second half. Unfortunately, it was that they blocked their own punt and gave Oregon State another touchdown, thus continuing Florida's long tradition of blocking their own players, blocking their own points, and scoring against themselves. So that was that was good to see. But what was the streak that was in danger until they kicked their field goal to make it 30 to 3 instead of 30 to nothing. They have the longest streak of games without being held scoreless. Uh, in in the SEC in the country, I don't, I don't I think know. Think in the country. Okay. What was the last team to shut out the Florida Gators? That would be the Auburn Tigers. It was in the 88 season, that incredible 88 team with that defense that we've talked about a million times on this program. That was the famous year that Florida had Florida made us their homecoming opponent, and we responded by shutting them out at home on homecoming on Gator Growl. Now, interesting, quick, quick kind of fleshing that one out. You may recall in in eighty six, in eighty six, we held them 
to uh, it was like seventeen to nothing late our way, and they miraculously scored eighteen points in like the fourth quarter and beat us eighteen to seventeen. That was the year before Emmett Smith. 87, 88, 89 was the Emmett Smith years. 87, of course, was the huge game in Auburn where we crushed them, just destroyed them. But then in 88, we go back and we have them down again, like 16 to nothing late. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, Emmett's going to run for 300 yards in the fourth quarter and we're going to lose. No, we shut them down. We shut them out. We beat them 16 to nothing, I think was the score. And it's what the, it's what the 86 game should have been. And that was the last time. That was uh, two years before Steve Spurrier arrived. So they've never gotten shut out since the year before Steve Spurrier arrived. That's incredible. That's a long time. It's a lot of football games. It's a lot of football games. All right. So what do we got coming up? When are the next SEC games? Uh, uh, Well, we'll go chronologically then. Friday, December 23rd. Okay. Missouri versus Wake Forest in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Oh, you know, John, when young players are first playing in Little League football and they're looking up to their their heroes and they say, son, if you keep playing that well, one day you might get to play in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. To which the kid says, well, I'm playing baseball then. (laughs) But Wake Forest, I mean, Missouri has been really a Jekyll and Hyde team, right? They've played really well in in some cases, and they've given games away to teams that we won't name. So I'm I'm curious. And Wake Forest has been good this year, but they also kind of dropped off. Yeah. Um, yeah and is there, like their quarterback, Hartman, was really good. Is he healthy? Is he going to play? Yeah. So I don't know. But uh, an, an interesting game. It will be. Um, all right. So what I see, I, I see, oh, we've got the – Who's the real Kansas Bowl coming yes. up between Kansas and Arkansas? Between Ar- Kelly Kansas and Ar- Kelly, Arkansas and Ur Kansas in the AutoZone <laughs> Liberty Bowl. <laughs> I that I don't think that that matchup has ever happened before. If it has, it's new to me. Kansas versus Arkansas. Wow, that's I just there's jokes there that I'm not even going to try to make. Uh, same day, Wednesday, twenty eighth. Ole Miss celebrates keeping Lane Kiffin by going to play in something called the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Man, just think, if Lane Kiffin had left Ole Miss to come to Auburn, Ole Miss might in the future miss out on playing in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. And that would be a real nothing. <laughs> real, real shame. It would be darn. Yeah. Um, there's, again, more, I, there, there's more taxes. There's more taxes, John. Go ahead. There are more. We want to pay less taxes, I guess. Uh, well, I'm just saying the next one is the Tax Slayer Gator uh, Bowl. It's the truth. Oh, it's the Tax Slayer Gator, the Tax Act, Texas Bowl, and the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. So it's choose your, you know, overly advertised tax software that only <laughs> exists because we make our stupid system too complicated for regular people. So. <laughs> Uh, and that again, should be the name. I, that should be the name of the bowl. Oh my God, that should be the name of the bowl. Choose, yeah, the the tax act, tax slayer. Choose your bad, bad software because we make our tax code too complicated for the regular people. Bowl. Oh, that would it. be great. Just print it on the field from like the from the five yard line to the other five yard line in three rows. Oh, I love it. 
And again, I I think South Carolina Notre Dame's a fun matchup. I think it's two South Carolina came it's, on at the end of the year. It's the Lou Holtz Memorial Bowl. It is. And it's you know, and, and it Notre Dame is, you know, not great, but they're a big name, so a win over them would be big. South Carolina, I'm sure, is gonna try hard to win that game. Well, you're right. Elaborate on that. South Carolina did not start the year off that well, even though they played utter cupcakes, but they kind of found something about halfway through the season. No, they did. They got it together, and then they beat Tennessee, and then they beat Clemson at the end. So, and again, Clemson in Clemson, that was a gigantic win for them. So, they have a ton of momentum. They lost their offensive coordinator, and he went to Arkansas. Yeah. But um, I think they're going to be, you know, in a good place in this game. Their quarterback got another year. He's coming back, so fun to see what they do. Imagine you're a South Carolina fan, and you're telling people someday – yeah, man, there was that year that we beat a really good Tennessee team that had beaten Alabama, and we beat uh, Clemson that was, you know, in the national championship talk for most of the season, and we beat Notre Dame. You'd be like, wow, man, you guys must have gone undefeated. No, we went like 7-6. and six. <laughs> we, we lost to some other teams that will just remain nameless. In the same season that they accomplished that, they lost to like what I'm sure they must have lost to what Kentucky or did was I think maybe Kentucky was their first win where they did seem kind of like they were turning things around and then they beat Tennessee. I know they I think I, they beat Kentucky, Tennessee, Clemson, but I, I think they lost uh, to they lost to Arkansas, yeah, lost Florida, to Georgia, lost to Missouri. Speaking yeah. of teams you were talking about earlier, and Florida go. annihilated. Yeah, see that's in the same year that they that's just. That's just weird, man. That's just weird. But uh, but no, I they we need a death bowl not only because how awesome would it be to have a death bowl, but also because then you've got the tax act and the tax slayer bowl. You can say when it comes to bowl games, the only thing certain is death and taxes. Right there, you go. So um, uh, Tennessee Clemson in the oh good lord my eyes bowl, and it is the orange bowl. It's the orange say, bowl. Unironically, it's no, bowl. no. I think they should both wear orange. Oh my! <laughs> it is literally, literally the orange bowl. The two most orange, the two teams that basically say, "What are the answer to the question? What are your colors?" Is orange because Tennessee's other color is white, and Clemson's other color is kind of this purple thing that they don't really wear, right? I mean. Clemson is orange and white, just like Tennessee is orange and white. I, I, you know, they Tennessee has some kind of like a gray or something that they mix in every now and then just to really look bad. But let's be honest. Tennessee and Clemson, they are both orange and white. And they're in the orange freaking bowl. T- it, it, t- it should come with a warning for your television. Protect your 4K TV immediately do not you know get your warranty reunit re uh re-upped whatever <laughs> you gotta pause do it and no. leave the room and burn right in on this thing. oh so, my gosh again I, I think this is a fun game tennessee's quarterbacks hurt right hooker yeah is hurt and so mixon's gonna play quarterback for them and then clemson went to the young quarterback late in the year club nick and and he's the future he looked really well and they're down the stretch for them so i think it's gonna be a good game i think it's gonna be a really fun game yeah. It's Friday the 30th in the evening. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I'm excited. I'm all, I'm all about that one. So we have New Year's Eve bowl games, two of them, the Sugar Bowl and the Music City Bowl. And the thing is, they did learn the lesson of don't put the national championship Final Four 
on New Year's Eve. Remember, they did it that one time, and huh? They they put the they put the two semifinal games on New Year's Eve like the first year, and nobody watched it. They had said. They had said, yeah, we're going to start a new tradition <laughs> that New Year's Eve is when you watch the college football playoff Final Four, and nobody watched it. I'm trying to decide if you're doing a bit. No. That was the first that, year. It was, that, they're on the 31st. That's No, they're January 2nd. No. No. Where's the, they're the 31st. But you I, don't I have, put them out of order because I put the playoff games at the top. The, it, it's the, the, sh, the sugar. The, oh, you. The Music okay, I City Bowl, I and blame the Sugar you. Bowl. I blame you. Okay, okay I, this is fine. This is my. I I did this this way. So the Music City Bowl and the Sugar Bowl are like the appetizers on New Year's Eve. They're oh, like man. at eleven and and noon or one or whatever. And then the, oh. the playoff games start yeah. New Year's Eve afternoon. Michigan TCU is at. Uh, Four Eastern, three Central. Well, I, I see why they did it now. Now that you point out that that's actually happening, it's because January first is a Sunday and the NFL dominates it, so they couldn't. Because I guarantee you, those games would have been on the first. They would not have been on the thirty-first if they could help it, because yeah, they're going to have. This is it. They're not going to have the ratings that you would have had. And they don't want to have them on Monday because people, right. some people are going back to work on Monday. Right. So you, this is it. They had to do they the thirty first. Yeah. So that makes sense now. Because I'm like, well, I couldn't. Be, I'm like, why would they? They they made a whole big production out of what a mistake we made having it on the thirty first. We're never doing that again. Well, here it is. So, all right. Well, that's. Uh, and then there's just a couple of others: Alabama, Kansas State, and this Sugar Bowl on Saturday, the thirty first. Earlier in the day, Iowa, Kentucky, and the Music City Bowl, the 31st. That's a fun I, game to go to. I like that stadium. <laughs> but Iowa, Kentucky is awful. I think both teams are playing backup quarterbacks, and mm. both teams are bad on offense. Good to, That game is going to be like 9-6. to six, Oh, boy. And that's being optimistic. I like The thing about the Music City Bowl is it's like I want Auburn to go to the playoffs or whatever, but when we don't, I'm like, well, then end up, please end up in the Music City Bowl because that's four hours from me and I can actually go and see it. And we, we, went to the, we went to the one where we beat the snot out of Purdue a couple of years ago, and that was a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. um, January 2nd, Mississippi State, Illinois, uh, in something called the Relia Quest Bowl. I think that, that's like a Dungeons & Dragons game. And then uh, that would be awesome if they sponsored a bowl game. And the Dungeons and Dragons Bowl, I would so watch that. I would watch the heck out of that. And then also on the January second is LSU Purdue in the Cheez It Citrus. It's the Cheez It Citrus Bowl now. Good lord, LSU Purdue. I mean, eh, you know, at least LSU yeah, yeah. ended up Pur- on a January second game. Again, Purdue made the Big Ten title game. LSU made the SEC championship game. Neither team was that great. Right. I think LSU is better than Purdue, but I don't think LSU is great. So this is fine. So, so the Citrus Bowl, the Orlando game, remains the kind of like runner-up championship game bowl. Consolation. It's, all, it's always been the third place the consolation bowl. It, it has, yeah. Um, Miss, I'll say this: Mississippi State, Illinois, is sneakily, quietly, a really interesting game. Not only because the whole Mike Leach thing, which is a whole other thing, right? That'll be his his presence will be there, obviously, and that'll be a big thing. Illinois has had a year 
And if you haven't paid any attention to the Big Ten this year, and normally I don't, but I've got friends obviously living here in Illinois. They're big Illinois fans, and they've been filling me in every week and getting me to pay attention to Illinois. Illinois almost beat Michigan. They came closer than anybody. uh, Illinois is legitimately good. They're good on defense. They have a good Mm -hmm. running back. Mm -hmm. They're very big. And it's also, it's a great, that Mississippi State Illinois is the perfect styles clash game. Yeah. Because it's the air raid team against the old school Big Ten team coached by Burt. Burt. So. I'm looking for. I'm definitely. It's going to be fun. That's an interesting game. That I think that's like the most interesting matchup of the whole crowd. So, all right. Well, there we go. Do you have a non? I guess these are non-SEC games to watch. That's all that's left now. Well, I mean, other than those, that the, the uh, uh, other than the games we discussed, is there a a bowl game I would throw out there that's a non-SEC one? I'm going to give you two on Wednesday the 28th. Um, you know, instead of watching Ole Miss Texas Tech at the same time as the Holiday Bowl, it's North Carolina Oregon. Oh, okay. And Holiday Bo Bowl. Holiday Bowl. Yep. Bo Nix announced he's coming back next year. He's gonna play for Oregon again. Yes. Wait. Yeah. How many years of eligible? How many years? That, that'll be his fifth pl- year. He played in nineteen twenty. Everybody oh, 20 who played count. in the COVID. Everybody who played any college sport of the COVID season gets an extra year. He's coming back. Wow. He's not going to the NFL. He's staying in Oregon. He's going to play one more year. Wow. Uh, so, And, again, that's two really good offenses. I think that game could be really fun. And then the other one is on the 29th in the evening, the Alamo Bowl is Texas-Washington, and I think that's two fun teams, too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. All right. Very good. So, um, and in the meantime, since this is we're recording this on December 19th, we're still in those days where you look up the bowl game and it's like Air Force versus Marshall or uh, East Carolina versus Arkansas State. And I'm just like, how do these teams get in bowl games, man? What is the deal? Yeah, <laughs> how do you- well, speaking of, speaking of your favorite root vegetable, tomorrow afternoon is the Idaho Potato Bowl, Eastern Michigan, San Jose State. Eastern Michigan, San Jose State. Wait, we is that the team San we Jose beat? This year. Yes. There's several teams in bowls that we beat. Several. Wow. All right. Well, everybody get excited and tune in for the big Eastern Michigan, San Jose State confab. That should be fabulous. Um, but in the meantime, any final thoughts before we wrap up for tonight? College football is fleeting. Yep. Enjoy every little bit while you can because you turn around and it'll be gone. But then you know what? It'll come back again. It will. And that's what it, and that's what it does. All right, gang. Our time is up. We thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. War Eagle, man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at AU Wishbone and at facebook.com slash AU Wishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.